0: Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 247 3051 Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom
1: Cantor. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being who you are, a God who reveals yourself as the great God you are, God of love and a God of care and compassion. Lord, we thank you so much that you so loved us, you so cared for us, that you sent your Son. And we pray as we open the Scriptures this morning that we might see your Son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you turn to... Uh, Genesis 15, and, uh, and we'll just read this passage here, Genesis starting 15, verse 1, to get the full context in our minds. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus, and Abram said, "Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is not, it, it, no. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir.' And he brought him forth abroad and looked." And, you know, he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. All right, now... What we've seen here as we've gone through this in our last study, we looked at verse 1, and last time you remember that we tried to look at verse 1 in a different type of way. We looked at it from the eyes of the Hebrews 6.13 verse. Hebrews 6.13 which says, For God made promise to Abraham because when he could swear by no greater, that's the phrase, when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So we honed in on that phrase, by no greater. And we took that by no greater from Hebrews 6.13 and applied it to these two promises that we have here in verse 1. And so by doing that, we got a real feel for the impact of those two promises because we could look at those two promises and now see them like this. We could rewrite it and say in Genesis 15.1 it would read like this. Because God could shield Abraham by no greater, God shielded Abraham with himself when he said, I am thy shield. And with looking at it that way, we understood that when God said to Abraham, I am thy shield, something happened, something different. Because You know, of course, a little bit later on in Genesis, we're going to come to a place where Jacob, where God's speaking to Jacob, and God is going to say to Jacob, I will keep thee. And that means I will protect thee. I will, I will shield thee. But this is a little bit deeper now, because now what we see here is that when God says, I am thy shield, we see that the shielder has become the shield. The shielder has become the shield. And seeing that when God said, I am thy shield, brings us a whole new understanding that's all encompassed in this statement, I am thy shield, as it means the shielder became the shield. And we can picture Abraham sitting down And as we've thought about this in the past, Abraham sits down, he turns his shield around, and he looks at his shield, and again, he sees the slash marks from those swords that tried to kill him. And he sees the jab marks from those daggers that tried to kill him. And as Abraham is sitting there, and he's looking at the shield, he sees the shield that's all scarred up, it's all marred up. And as Abraham is sitting there looking at his shield, he sees specific scars that bring back specific memories, and he replays these in his mind. It was a dramatic time for him when he almost lost his life in that battle of the slaughter of the kings, and he puts his fingers, we can imagine him, and putting his fingers in the scar marks on the shield and says, oh yeah, I remember this scar, I remember what happened at that time, that was the time when that enemy came to me and almost killed me, and he he would have killed me had it not been my shield that took that slash instead of me. And as Abraham looks over each mark of the shield, the truth just keeps coming back in his mind. It keeps reverberating as that truth the shield that took what should have killed me, it took it instead of me. And that thought, and he looks and he can't get it out of his mind. And we can imagine this going over and over again in Abraham's mind. And we see him saying to himself, my shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. My shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. My shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. And as he looks at the shield, Abraham remembers what God has just said to him. I am thy shield. And so he's thinking now, and as this is happening, God has just revealed to him this truth that he's his shield. And so he just can't get that out of his mind. He just can't get out of his mind. The revealed truth now, this is something new. It's a new revelation, and it just keeps coming back to him. And we can see Abraham saying to himself, God the shielder became my shield. God the shielder became my shield. God the shielder became my shield. And as Abraham thought about those two truths, those two truths just fused together in his mind, and it becomes one great truth, and now Abraham just could not get out this fused truth out of his mind. And this new-fused truth keeps on coming back to Abraham. And we can see Abraham saying to himself over and over again, God the shielder became my shield and protected me by taking the blow instead of me. God the shielder became my shield and protected me by taking the blow instead of me. This is coming over and over again in his mind. This fuses together that God the shielder had become Abraham's shield and protected Abraham by taking the blow instead of Abraham. And that's how God begins to now reveal to Abraham that God the shield would become Abraham abraham's shield by becoming a sinless man a perfect shield at first and who this man who would instead of abraham at a cross protect abraham from the blow of hell by taking that blow that should have been for Abraham's sin. It should have been for Abraham's sin, but instead he took it. And that was the beginning of how God would make happen what he promised, what he said, what he reported about Abraham when he was speaking to the Jewish people in, in John 8, 56, and the Jewish leaders. And he said to them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So what was he saying there? The Lord Jesus Christ was saying that abraham did see him did see him as god who had become a sinless man who instead of abraham at the cross protected abraham from hell by taking that blow for abraham's sin so how did abraham see the lord jesus christ die for his sins by revelation the same revelation when god said i am thy shield that was a revelation And so what we're reading about now in verse 1 here is the beginning of this new revelation and by telling Abraham that he was a shield, it's beginning because now Jehovah Jesus now is revealing to Abraham the overview of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel by revealing to Abraham, Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to be like a shield to you. And he's telling him, and the overview or the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is that on a cross, God will become the ultimate shield for man. And he'll protect man, he'll take the blow instead of letting man take that blow. So the whole scriptures, the whole of the scriptures now is especially as we move from that first sin in Genesis 3 and we're passing now, the scriptures are beginning now to focus more and more on the Lord Jesus Christ, with this statement, especially, I am thy shield. And This is what he said in John 5, 39, when he said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have life, eternal life. And they are they which testify. They're speaking. They're testifying. It's like these verses are standing up in court, and they're saying, I testify. And they're testifying of a person, of me, it says. So we know all the Scriptures speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, There's a very interesting phrase that we've seen before that describes Philip when he was guiding that Ethiopian eunuch to life. And it says in Acts 8.35, that then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's something. If all the scriptures speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, then our goal is to do what Philip did. What was that? To begin at any scripture, any scripture and show how it leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. So now from what we've learned about the meaning behind God saying, I am thy shield. So we're ready to preach the gospel, to show how that leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second promise was that not only has the shielder become the shield, but God now reveals that the rewarder has become the reward. The rewarder himself is the reward when he says, I am thy exceeding great reward. That great reward was not really the things that God would give to Abraham, which he did, but the great reward, the exceeding great reward was the Lord himself, the rewarder. God was making himself the shield. God was making himself the reward, and that was God's choice. That was 100% God's choice. God's choice was to make himself to to be Abraham's shield. He didn't have to do that. God didn't have to make himself to be Abraham's shield. And the Lord Jesus Christ expressed this. And look at how this passage, you might like to turn to this in John 10, 15 through 18. John 10, 15 through 18. Because here in this passage is a parallel To what we're studying here in John 15, if you look at it from the point of view of he didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it. And so he says here in John 10, 15 through 18, he says, first, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of or from myself. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again, this commandment have I received of my Father. So when we look at this passage, we see here that the Lord starts by telling us that in verse 15, that the Father knoweth me. Now of course the Father knew the Son, I mean they were one, but he wasn't just talking about just general knowledge, he was referring to something very, very specific about him. There was something very specific, and he's going to reveal that to us of what the Father has got his eyes on, of what the Father is focused on about the Lord Jesus Christ when he says, the Father knows me. And what is that? We notice how he now reveals to us what the Father knows about him. The Father knows that he has chosen to do what it stated in verse 15. Verse 15, that specific knowledge that the father has focused on, on the son, is that the son has chosen to lay down his life for the sheep. That was his choice. And that choice, that choice was a focus of the father. And in essence, he has said to his father, Father, I have decided to lay down my life for the sheep. I have made my choice. I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And then notice in verse 16 how he explains why he did this. In other words, what was the reason for him doing this? And those three words in verse 16, I must bring them also, I must bring. That shows us an imperative, a drivingness inside of him, something that he absolutely had to do. There was no choice about it. It drove him to make that decision to lay down his life for the sheep because he felt that imperative, he had to do it. He had to do it. He's expressing to us, there was no question. There was no consideration of any other alternative. He had to do it. Why? Why did he feel that he had to do it? He felt he had to do it because of what he saw. He saw his sheep, and he saw the sheep in certain aspects. We're the sheep. And so when he looked on us, he saw us as the sheep in our darkness, he saw the sheep in their darkness. He saw the sheep in their despair. He saw the sheep in their sadness. He saw the sheep in their deadness. He saw the sheep with their destination of hell for the punishment of their sins. And when he saw them, as we've seen him do in the past in the gospel, he had compassion. He didn't just sit from far back and say, "Well, yeah, there they are, going to get what they deserve." But he put himself in their position, and having done that, he felt that darkness. He felt that despair. He felt in himself that sadness, that deadness. He felt all that a person feels as they are sitting on death row and realize that there's no more appeals available the despairingness of it of a destination of destruction and he had compassion he had compassion on the sheep he had compassion on the sheep in their darkness he had compassion on the sheep in their despair in their sadness in their deadness with their destination of hell he had this compassion and what he knew as he felt to compassion, because what he knew is that he knew that he could make a difference. He knew that he could change it. He could change it all. He saw that it was possible for him to change their darkness, change their despair, change their sadness, change their deadness, change their destination of hell. He saw that the sheep in their darkness, and he knew that they could have light he saw the sheep in their despair, and he knew they could have hope. He saw the sheep in their sadness, but he knew they could be happy. He saw the sheep as dead, but he knew that they could have life. And he saw the sheep with their destination of hell, but he knew they could have a new destination of heaven. And what he knew was that it all depended on him, It all just funneled down to him, that he was the decider, he was the decision maker as to whether or not this great change was going to take place. It all depended on his choice, and he knew that, and he knew that because he knew that he was the only one who could bring them this great change. And the whole question that laid before him with all that responsibility that potentially was there was that the question was, would he decide yes or no to lay down his life to give them what they could not have and to give them what only he could give them? And he looked at the need and he says, yes, I'll do it. That's him. He says, I'll lay down my life for the sheep because they need to be brought I can bring them, I alone can bring them, and I must bring them. See, he goes through these course, there, these steps. He said, the need is very obvious and the need can be met, and I can do it, and then he says, I must do it. And so when he says this, I must bring them, this is the decision point. This is his choice. This is where it all comes out. And so he decides, he looks at this, and he says, not only can I do it, but he says, I must bring them from darkness to light. So he decides to lay down his life. He decides that he must bring them from despair to hope. So he decides to lay down his life. He says, I must bring them from sadness to happiness. So he decides to lay down his life. I must bring them from death to life. So he decides to lay down his life. I must bring them from having a destination of hell to having a destination of heaven from the forgiveness of their sins. I must do this. And so he decides to lay down his life. So he expresses this with this word must. I must do it. And that was all the culmination of his decision that he made. And that was what the father was focused on. He saw it all also. And so why did he decide that it had to be a must with him? Because that's his nature that's god's nature he sees a need his heart goes out of compassion without thinking of himself he steps in he says i must bring it i must there's no question i must i must bring them then he sees notice in verse 16 the words they shall hear my voice So here he's seeing the result of his choice. The result of his choice, they shall hear my voice. When he said that he was saying that he knew that his work of laying down his life was not going to be in vain. It wasn't gonna be useless. It was going to bring about a result. And the result was, they're gonna come. I must bring, they're gonna come because they're gonna hear my voice. And when they hear my voice, then I will bring them. And so could he see the shame that was going to be heaped on him as he was despised and rejected? Yes, he could see the shame. Could he see the spittings in advance on his face? Yes, he could see the spitting, the beating of his face. Could he see, as it says, the pulling out of the hairs of his beard? Could he see that? Yes, Could he see the scourging with the whip of the cat of nine tails? Could he see all that? Could he see his back be flayed and the muscle revealed and the quiveringness of the skin? Yes, he could see that. Could he see the quivering of his hand as the nails were being driven in? Yes, he could see that. Could he see the whole process of him dying from dehydration on the cross? Yes, he could see all that. He saw it all. Then why did he decide? lay down his life he decided to do it because he saw the sheep hearing his voice and letting him bring them from darkness to light he saw them hearing his voice and letting them bring him from despair to hope he saw the sheep hearing his voice and letting them bring them from sadness to happiness he saw them responding when they heard his voice and letting him bring them from death to life. He saw them respond and letting him bring them from having a destination of hell for the punishment of their sins to having a destination of hell from the forgiveness of their sins. And he saw all that and all that sight to him made him really happy. And as it made him really happy, it brought joy to his heart. And so we had a choice Of what was he going to set before him? Was he going to set before him the shame and the spittings and the pulling out of the beard and the scourging and the nails and the death by dehydration? Was that going to be what he set before him? Or by contrast, was he going to set before him the joy of seeing those people changed? And we are called to focus on the choice that he made And by setting the joy in front of him instead of setting the cross in front of him. This is what Hebrews 12, 2 is speaking to us. And it's saying to us, look at him in this aspect. See him and how he has not put the cross in front of him. But he has put the joy of the result of the cross in front of him. And that's what it means when it says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. That's us. Looking unto Jesus. See him now the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Why was that joy set before him? He said it there because he put that joy in front of his eyes and he endured the cross and he despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, then notice what he said about the reaction of his father, what his father said about this in John ten seventeen. Therefore, doth my father love me because... I lay down my life. Or in other words, therefore doth my father love me because I have chosen to lay down my life. Because the father saw this was all a great grand choice that he made. It was all his choice. And the father knew that he could have very well have said, no, it's just too great a price. It's just too much to ask. He could have said, I'm gonna take a pass on this. Sorry for them, bad for them, too much for me. He could have done that. But when the father said that he didn't go down that road, but that of his own free will and choice, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to freely decide. I'm going to lay down my life. I see all the costs. It's crystal clear to me. I see it all. And when the father saw him do that, the father was absolutely thrilled, absolutely ecstatic, thrilled with his decision. And therefore the words, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life. And then notice the words in verse 18. He says, no man taketh it from me, I lay it down of myself.
0: Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Now, today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. friendshipwithgod.org You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor by going to our online bookstore and our website located at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org Or you can call us for more information at 800-247-3051 800-247-3051 now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. And to learn more about Jewish evangelism, or obtain free resources, or send a free gospel gift from Tom Cantor to your lost Jewish friend, visit IsraelRestoration.org. IsraelRestoration.org. What are you doing this Thursday? Come to the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California at 6.30 p.m. for our Thursday night Bible study and fellowship. Our Bible study happens every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. This Thursday, we'll study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. We'll have expert guest speakers from the Southern California Seminary with Dr. John Baumgartner and Dr. Christopher Cohn and Dr. Kenneth Cumming, who will join our Creation and Earth History Museum staff as we study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. Bring an atheist or unbeliever to the Bible study and fellowship and join us this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, off Woodside Avenue North. Call us for more information. 619-599-1104 619-599-1104 Or go online to creationSD.org That's creationSD.org
1: creationSD.org